one day it just kind of hit the wall and uh, it was just a really terrible situation and Emily was actually staying home at the time with the kids and I said I'm done I, I don't know what this means I know we haven't really been putting a lot up I just know we just need to trust God because I can't keep doing what I'm doing I'm, I'm at a loss Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. And Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter, at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Aisha. Well, last week we had to wake up Aisha for our episode. This week we're both alive and well and awake. We've got yes. our, well, I've got my coffee. Have you got anything that you're drinking there? I actually had an iced coffee earlier. Oh. See, to me, and that's then, too early in the day. Iced coffee's got to be later really? in the day for me, in the afternoon or something. Well, of course, I live in Florida, so um, <sighs> anything iced early right. in the day is okay because <laughs> we're still in the 80s. <laughs> got to rub it in, don't Sorry. you? Just got to rub it in. <laughs> You know what? Even though I've had iced coffee, tell me this. Is it too early to put the Christmas tree up? Because I plan to do it like this weekend. Okay, well, I would say the my belief is, or the general rule of thumb, I would imagine. I mean, there's a lot of people that love Christmas and they'll put it up yeah. you know, months in advance. For me, but, I think the right time to put up a Christmas tree, or at least the politically correct time to put up a mm-hmm. Christmas tree would be... Any time after Remembrance Day. So Remembrance Day was last okay. week. So any time after Remembrance Day so that you, you know, honor the veterans and, and you don't kind of have your focus in the wrong place and stuff. Right. But, you know, because Christmas is a big season. For me and my family, usually it's the last weekend in November or more likely the first weekend in December when we put the wow. tree up. But speaking of Christmas, we have our Between the Grooves Christmas special coming up. Um, Mm -hmm. It's an annual tradition. It's one of our most listened to episodes every year. Uh, We've been doing it since day one, and that's an opportunity for us to bring back many of our previous guests to talk about Christmas. Uh, Make sure you. Yeah, uh, it's my first one. Well, there you go, and it's it's a lot of fun, you know, checking back with uh, you know our previous guests and and Mm -hmm. chatting about Christmas. Like for a full episode, it's a lot of fun. So that's something to look forward to, and something to look forward to today is our conversation with Daniel Mulkey. He's a worship leader, he's a singer-songwriter, and uh, he's got quite the story to share with us as well. So let's get into that conversation with Daniel right now. (laughs) Daniel, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. We we tend to have a little fun on this show, so uh, I apologize in advance. Yeah. I'm all about it. (laughs) You are uh, in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, I'm originally from a town called uh, Silver Creek, and then uh, that's that's close to another town that if anyone in the local area close to me uh, would know, it's Rome, and then I just most recently moved three hours away from there to Augusta, which is known for golf if you follow you know American yeah. professional golf or anything like that. How far away is that from Atlanta? Um, Augusta would be two two ish hours away. Okay. That's not bad. No, it's not it's really not at all. it's getting through Atlanta 
um, mm-hmm. to get back to my hometown is what the problem is with all the traffic. Gosh, that place. It's it's a disaster <laughs> with traffic. I've been in Atlanta once on a business trip, and it was mm-hmm. it was probably springtime. And here in Canada, I think, if I recall correctly, in fact, I remember, there was still snow on the ground. And they had to de-ice the plane as I was leaving. So uh, that's something you would never encounter in the States. But de-icing is there's so much ice built up on the wings that they have to get this stuff sprayed onto it to melt the ice so you can actually lift off. And and then I land in Atlanta and it was like springtime. Everything's green and it's warm (laughs) and it's beautiful. And I'm thinking, why do I live in Canada? And pretty dogwood trees. Yeah. 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 Georgia weather is absolutely insane. I mean, it's not it's not rare for Christmas time to be like you can't really wear much Christmas attire because it's so blessed warm outside. Right. You know, it's it's crazy. <laughs> like the way you said blessed warm. I know. Yeah, I was gonna say right at the top, just sorry about my accent. It when I sing it goes away, but I can't really do anything. You know, you know, so that's well, what I got. <laughs> I apologize for my accent. I mean, I sound normal to me, but you must think who's this strange no, it guy. Sounds, it sounds like a perfectly normal accent, but you know, <laughs> I listen back to myself talk, and it's pretty bad. So, <laughs> oh man, you're you're southern southern guy. That's all right. Oh yeah, but Aisha, what did you do with your hair? Is that uh, a new new do? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, <laughs> I twisted it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was thinking of doing that with Here's mine, and thing. and uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> My husband doesn't like it. Oh really? And they said, yeah, he should do that. He should do that. Always say <laughs> he's bald. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they always say um, for married couples, well, for women, get um, a hairstyle that your spouse likes. Well, a lot of the time, we're not on the same page with um, hairstyles. Like when you say the same page, it's a polite way of saying it. He doesn't like it. <laughs> He's not on board. That's right. <laughs> right. Um, I like like I like short hair. And I think it's typical for most men. They don't care for short hair. I love short hair. Like if I could, I I cut it all off. But he'd be looking at me sideways for six months. <laughs> yeah. You sound so. you sound like my wife. She she would like she's got longer hair, not really long hair, but uh-huh. She likes it really, really short because it's it's mm-hmm. less to manage, right? And right. and I I don't like it personally. So when you talk about being mm-hmm. on the same page and stuff, yeah. But I got to share a story with you and Daniel. We're gonna chat here. Don't worry, okay? But I just, I just want to <laughs> share this while we're while we're talking about <laughs> and hair. Jump in too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know if I've shared this with you before, Aisha, but um, in my early 20s, I would say. Mm -hmm. So probably a little younger than you are now, Daniel. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was going to the bank. I wasn't making a lot of money and I needed the cash. So I was going to the ATM to get some cash out. And I go into this small little branch of this bank. And Mm -hmm. it was, it must have been after regular business hours because the main doors were closed, but you could still get into the machine. And I'm standing there and there's somebody ahead of me at the machine. There was only one machine in this particular branch, really small branch. And and I look up and I see, oh, there's a TV screen um, that I guess they've got cameras monitoring the ATMs and stuff like that. And I'm standing there and I look up, I said, oh, 
there's a guy who's balding, um, I guess, waiting as well. And I, <laughs> I kind of look around and was I was shocked. I was shocked <laughs> to realize it was me. Can I say, when I look in the mirror, I can't see the top of my head. And I don't uh. necessarily go with an extra mirror to look at the top of my head. But I was, I was in utter shock. I'm, and, and like I was, I was so embarrassed at myself uh, looking at this, this camera and this, this thing of me. It was just, it was true story. That's Not awesome. a word of a lie. That is exactly what happened. And ever since then, like even now with my kids, they, they laugh at me and it, Are you serious? this is, this is, this is the time now for you to feel sorry for me. Um, <laughs> so, some people like your husband, is he, is he naturally bald or does he shave it off? Cause some people just shave it off. If they're balding anyways, they'll just shave it off. That's his case. He was, Balding, right? So he shaved it off, and he's been uh, shaving his head since he was in his twenties, right? And I, I mean, I like the bald head. I like facial hair, right? Well, um, <laughs> on, on men, on my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we qualified that. That's great. Anyway, so sorry, we're we're completely off track, um, Daniel. Mulkey, thank you for joining us on Between the Grooves today. Uh, obviously, you've got a full head of hair, so congratulations on that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. My granddad, literally until the day he died, he had like a full-blown like mullet, you know, kind of situation. Oh, like, wow. So, like, I do not expect to lose my hair, thankfully, because I, I like it. <laughs> I like styling it and all that. My wife gets on to me with how much time I actually put into fits in my hair but that's a that's a a different story but yeah yeah my granddad had goodness he had some hair like in his 30s he can never grow a beard until his 30s which that's giving me hope because i'm having the same struggle and Mm. uh, but then you don't have to shave there's some time you know that you you gain I i do still have to shave because it's just little enough where it's yes it's all it's all still happening but it's it's just not as thick as i'd like it to be but anyway so when he turned 30 he had his beard finally came in where he can grow a full man's beard like black beard the whole thing well at the same time wow his hair the top of his head went completely white and so <laughs> here he was he had this slick long back white hair full head of hair and a black beard and wow. it it was the coolest thing. I mean, it just looked so sharp. It really did. So I'm excited for my white hair and my black beard one day. <laughs> excited for that. That's great. Well, yeah. Can I just say that um, mullets are coming back in case oh, you they didn't are. know? <laughs> they are. I don't have the patience or the or the desire to grow a mullet, but I, I totally get it. They are coming back. That is true. Mm-hmm. My my son's got a mullet. I mean, he prefers no yeah. He prefers the short around the top and the sides and stuff. But he wants to grow it long, and that's essentially what a mullet is, anyways. But he likes the yeah. long mm-hmm. long hair, and and he does that, and it's just easier for wow. him, you know. That's and awesome. and looks pretty good. I mean, he almost looks that's like cool. a mini Stephen Curtis Chavin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I guess. For you, Daniel, I mean, you're talking about the fact that you've got a full head of hair, but you've got young kids, and that, that you know, can cause some hair loss as well. <laughs> I'm telling you. It you better been, know it. I, I, yeah, it, it has been crazy. Uh, like, for uh, most most listening have no idea who I am, so I'll just kind of break it down. So, like, 
And I met my crush, Emily, or my now wife, I should say, when I was like 12 years old. And uh, we were friends for such a long time. And obviously I was in love, but she was two and a half years older than me. And she's like, you're just a little baby, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. And um, so we were best friends for the longest time. And then uh, in 2016, I started dating someone else. And she's like, after I graduated high school, and she's like, "Mm, I don't like this. And so she was like, you know, hey, hey, I'm, I'm interested. And, uh, and so after that <laughs> other other fling fell through, she was like, "Please, please!" And uh, and now would, would she I tell? Wanna, I want to hear her side. Yeah, exactly. Of the story. I'm just wondering well, if she look, would tell the story the same look, way. What, exactly. What, what you're missing here is six years of me saying, "Please, please." So that's oh, how okay. we switched around. So we all we that's had funny. our time of of wanting uh, to be with one another, and we finally got together in 2016. And then uh, dated uh, up until 2019, got engaged at the end of 2019. Uh, due to COVID lockdowns and stuff, we were like, let's just get married with our immediate family. And so that was uh, March of 2020. And then uh, I called our first a COVID baby because, you know, that's just how it happened. Like, mm-hmm. we got married March 2020. And then Jacob, wow. our son, was born January of 21. And then months later, my wife walks up to me and says, you need to go get a pregnancy test. And I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, as a guy, it's like, you know, you're excited. But right when you first hear it, it is like, oh, my gosh, you know, right after the first and uh, all the craziness mm-hmm. that, that went around that. And so Olivia, our daughter, was born March of this year. And so um, it's just been really incredible. And then, you know, August, we moved to Augusta, changed jobs, you know, after about three months of unemployment for me. And so these last, you know, from uh, 19 to now, it has just been a whirlwind. Um, No doubt God's definitely been faithful, but yes, I I am very surprised I haven't started losing my hair yet. (laughs) You mentioned uh, Jacob is basically a COVID baby. Yeah. Do you find anything? I've got a niece who had a baby around the same time, and the thing I found Mm -hmm. about this little baby is the interaction with other people, because during COVID, you couldn't go seeing other people, even family members Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And so the ability to interact with new people has been really difficult for this young child. Um, just wow. even family members like grandparents and stuff where she didn't see them for months because of safety mm-hmm. and everything else because they lived in different right. places and stuff. And even for us, right. like I saw her yesterday on FaceTime and she's kind of looking at me like, who are you? And, and probably oh, wow. happy that she's protected in her own environment because she was in her own house. But still, it's not the type of relationship you would normally have with mm-hmm. with young children. So uh, have you noticed any of that from your perspective? I'd like to say I have, but no, because Jacob uh, got both of our personalities kind of, he looks just like me, but really has a lot of my wife's personality. We're both pretty outgoing and he is just into everything and all over (laughs) everything. And, um, but we, at the beginning, yeah. So what we did knowing he was coming, we kind of set up, shop in my in-laws house and you know went ahead and planned hey we're all kind of going to be in here kind of separated off 
you know, kind of thing. And so uh, pretty early on, we were able to kind of bring him back home to a house full of people, really. But they have been kind of, mm. uh, what's the word? I'm trying to, it's been quarantined, uh, maybe quarantined off, you know, kind of thing. And so um, that helped. Um, but yeah, he, he is very social. Uh, he's like his mom where he he needs that sleep though after once he's sleepy it's uh, <laughs> it's over the social life is over <laughs> one thing i learned when my kids were really young and and i just kind of held on to it was when they're so young and you have to put them down for naps and stuff yeah cha-ching yeah. nap time for me too can i tell you <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> well that's that's pretty awesome so kids are well your wife is well and congratulations to you and I, I understand that uh it's been i guess for a few months there uh a little difficult, you know, providing yeah. for your family. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So basically I was, uh, working, uh, in the, uh, construction industry and, um, honestly making the most money, uh, my wife and I has, have ever made in our lives. And on the weekends I would travel and, and leave worship at churches, which is how I found this church. So <clears throat> I was traveling, but you know, when things are going really good, uh, you know, we weren't budgeting, we weren't doing, you know, you know, you go kind of your life kind of barely getting by and then you go to making what we were doing and we were just living it up. Not really, you know, that kind of thing. And mm. one day it just kind of hit the wall and, uh, it, it, it was just a really terrible situation. Um, and, uh, it just kind of hit the wall and I came home. And Emily was actually staying home at the time with the kids, and I said, "I'm done. I, I don't I don't know what this means. I, I you know I know we haven't really been putting a lot up. I just know we just need to trust God because I can't I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I'm I'm at a loss. And um, just to be honest with you, if that would have never happened, there is no way I would have ever." said you know i'm gonna go full-time ministry i'm gonna i'm gonna completely surrender and say god you know i know this is what you've given me the ability to do and i'm gonna do it you know it was always a second it was a weekend thing it was a gig it was it was this and that um it was a conference someone would call and say hey, come lead worship but it was never what i did full-time and so that same church that I've been going to on the weekends, you know, I drive three hours every weekend to come leave worship at this church that I'm at now. And I would, uh, actually contacted the pastor and I said, uh, actually, no, it was after service. Uh, we went and ate and he had been trying to get me to come be full time with him for, for a year at this point. And I told him <laughs> what happened and you just saw, you just saw his eyes get so big and he's like, Daniel, please please come and do this and uh and i said well just let let me pray about it and uh this had been after about two months and uh we said yes and the next month we moved you know and uh, wow i'm telling you like it, those three months challenged me in such a way to really my whole life i never just to be truly honest with you i've been blessed to the point to where i really didn't have to worry about what was going to happen next, the next meal, the next chat, the next whatever. It, you know, I've been very mm -hmm. blessed. There's no doubt about that. And then when you get in that situation to where you see other people go through it, but you don't really, you know, relate to it. And, 
I went through that and just learned an abundance of, of patience and trusting in God. And I saw every week somehow God provided for me and my family, whether that was through, I mean, we would get random checks in the mail, random Mm-hmm. Uh, auto deposits that we didn't know we had pending. Uh, I got, we had traded, <laughs> uh, she had a vehicle that we downsized because we can no longer afford the, the payment during that time. So we downsized vehicles. And, uh, a week later from that company, we got a $500 gift card because that car had a recall on it. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, just crazy, just little things. Yeah. Just little things. And then, you know, our, our family stepped up and, and just helped us with meals and provided a safe place of encouragement and, and just God did it. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. And now I'm sitting in my office here at this church doing this interview, you know, looking at the stack of albums behind me that were, you know, <laughs> I got a, uh, you know, we're doing a concert here, um, this Sunday night for the album. You know, last night we were doing mm. rehearsals for it. And so I, you know, and that was another thing. It's like, I thought the album was going to stop because we hadn't finished it, you know, during unemployment and the little money we have. I said, you know, if I don't finish it now, I'm never going you to probably won't. I'm not yeah. right because of the kids, because of our situation. I said, I, I've got to do it. And my wife looked at me and knowing our financial situation, she said, just finish it. And, you know, mm. this isn't there's not a label behind this this is self-funded this is this is me and my family and this album is what my heart is this is this is all songs written by me and and it's just a step of faith showing you know god this is this is what i want to put out there and in in worshiping you and so but yeah to answer your question it's it's been really hectic but i mean god has been faithful through it sure i find it interesting that um I guess whenever a major event happens in your life, whether it's the birth of a child or you go get married or perhaps a death in the family or job loss, uh, whatever it is, um, that's a prime time to take a step back and determine how you're going to approach it. And a lot of times we approach those circumstances like, my life really sucks, like this is is terrible right now, what am I going to do? Or it's an opportunity to approach it with, you know, what can I do? And sometimes, like particularly even with with the loss of a job, if you get laid off or whatever else, a lot of times that's the opportunity to get into something you really wanted to get into in the first place, but you never could because you were stuck in your job and you didn't have time. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of forced you to take a step back and say, well, now I can do what either, you know, you feel called to be doing or whatever your passion is in life to do. So I think that's all a good thing. I probably Probably myself would not be working full time radio if it weren't for you know some major things happening in my life as well. So right, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, you one of the fa- one of my favorite songs right now, worship songs that that we are are doing is evidence, and it's like every individual person can look around in their own own life and be like, man, that is that's God because mm-hmm. on our own we couldn't do it. And, uh, yeah, like you said, along with God's sovereignty, there's, there's peace in knowing he's got it. You know, if if the world is still spinning, if there's still breath in my lungs, then I know I'm here for a purpose and I've got to, I've got to surrender to his sovereignty, 
to his will and say, lead me where you want me to go. And I think that was the missing piece for me where I was just, I was so caught up in, you know, what I was able to do on my own rather than saying, you know, <laughs> I know, I, I know, you know, from a very young age, this is what I need to be doing. And uh, when I finally just said, all right, God, let's, let's do it. You know, I, I haven't been more happy than I am right now with my family and, and, um, and my job because I get to wake up every day and do what I love and that's music and that's so it. you know mm-hmm. that's God for sure it takes a lot of faith though when you're not bringing the income in to you know to support your family and stuff I mean that's that's sure. pr- a pretty scary situation it was um I there's a there's a lot of nights where it was just like what can I do and it was it was a mm-hmm. lot and what was so funny is you know I have a I have a business degree, you know, I have really good experience. What I was doing was like a sales type thing, but in the construction industry with a lot of experience. Mm. I mean, I'm talking about on my own, you know, in my job, I I was able to generate millions in revenue and it was almost like, and I had connections and stuff and it was like, God closed every, every other possible (laughs) job opportunity. I'm not kidding you. I mean, I, I would apply for doing that. I'm telling you, he did because <laughs> you know you reach out in a in a scurry. You're trying to reach out and find the next thing, and it was just like, nope, that ain't happening. Nope, 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 nope. And then it's right. like when I started to be uh, open to me doing this job, this music job full time, and with this church and all that, it was like everything clicked together in a mm-hmm. way to to where it just shouldn't have done that, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and it was just, it's just, it's funny almost because God was working through it. You know, he definitely was. It's great that, um, that you've kind of been able to wrap your mind around this entire concept at such a young age. Cause for a lot mm-hmm. of us, we didn't get it until, um, I won't say a lot older. I'll say a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> but you've you've uh, got it, and um, and that's a blessing because it's more power for the course. Yeah, everyone's everyone's got their own journey for sure, and sure. in some cases, people find it out, you know, due to home life and different things like that. Find it out a lot younger, almost. Right. And so, you know, that's where I kind of felt like it was hard for me um, because of. My lifestyle and um, trying to figure out how to word this, just just where I was in life and the opportunities that I had, and uh, where I felt like I was uh, privileged in some ways. I felt uh, I, in such a way I had a hard time relating to people when I was ministering in church because I really hadn't lived enough life to to relate as much to people. Um, as I as I maybe would have been, and so going through what I went through, it's like, oh, you know, everyone's got their own journey. Everyone's got sure. their own. Dear God, what am I going to do? Moment or, you know, anything like that. And so, uh, Pastor was just talking about this Sunday about you know, it, uh, you know, during our prayer time, it's like it, it's not like about the level of your prayer like how how bad it is meaning if someone said pray for me i have cancer treatments versus pray for me i have a procedure on my little kid and it's it's a regular procedure but i just want prayer those are in the eyes of god those are 
those are equally as important to him. And so sure, sure. everyone's got their own life experiences. Um, and once we all kind of go back to trusting in God, no matter what, I don't think you could go wrong, honestly. Yeah, it's interesting how you say everybody's at a different level and, and goes through things differently, but nothing is um, you know different as far as being in the eyes of God, right? Like I could stub mm-hmm. my toe and, and you know it's swollen or maybe I broke my toe and there's nothing they can do about it, but you know I'm, I'm in pain and stuff. And then you mentioned about somebody having cancer and so I'm feeling right. bad for myself because I stubbed my toe and it's probably broken and now I'm limping and stuff. <laughs> and, but yeah, then right. you take a step back and, and look at somebody else who's probably got something worse happening and they're handling it better than I am, right? Right perspective and then try and right. surrender yeah i've got a friend of mine who was uh, recently unemployed and he was looking for a job and um i found it interesting because i found any time that i was in a position where i needed to get a job whether i was unemployed or i just wanted to move into a new job um you know i always had a you know decent looking resume you know stayed at companies for you know a good length of time so the resume looks good and stuff and i had very little to no success ever applying for jobs on job boards or through mm-hmm. any of these places the mm-hmm. best jobs i ever got were word of mouth where where somebody yep. would come to me and say hey um now that you're looking I'm interested. Yes. Or right. now that you're unemployed, you know, I've been looking for somebody, but you were right. in a job, and so I didn't want to steal you away or whatever else. So <laughs> it's interesting, you know, you sharing about the fact that this church has been kind of hounding you for a year now, <laughs> and finally the circumstances work out where now you'll actually listen, right? Because <laughs> maybe yeah, before it's like, oh, no, no, I'm making good money. I've got a great job, and, you know, I'm good, you know? Yeah, and isn't it funny how literally, like, I was literally, I had lost my job, questioning how I'm going to provide for my family. And keep in mind, I mean, I was still coming to this church on weekends and stuff. But even then, I was like, you know, God, no, I'm not going to fully go to this job. I'm going to see what else I can find. It's like, come on, Daniel, take a hint. You know, it's yeah. just funny to me. <laughs> yeah. So all, all the while you were going through that, I guess it was also a time to uh, work on the new album so you your new album has just dropped and you've yeah. got some songs that you've released to radio and stuff can you tell us i mean that's a big project to come up with an album recording process yes, and all the different elements that are involved in that can you tell us about that journey yeah absolutely so oh yeah uh, it's a i was just talking to my friend today it's like to be a, a indie christian artist it's like you got to be a marketer you got to be a professional speaker you got to be a musician you got to be a songwriter you got to be I mean, you got to be everything. And so, yeah, it, it is a big undertaking. Um, so, gosh, I mean, these songs were written anywhere as early as 2014. And so I had mm-hmm. a handful of songs that I knew I really wanted to uh, compile on a record eventually. And then um, I got connected to Daniel Doss, um and uh, if you know of him, he's he's an uh, indie artist as well, a great songwriter and producer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we connected in November or October of last year and um, finished up uh, Without a Redeemer, which was my first single, and um, started that process. And after that song was complete and I, and I kind of got a taste of like, okay, this is what it 
looks and sounds like when you work with uh, great people, talented people. And so I said, you know, I want to start the process of recording an album. And so a friend of his, uh, Foster Farrell, is a, is a producer and a former guitarist on the road for uh, country artists and that kind of thing. Um, we got together, really hit it off, uh, and um, early this year started the process of recording the album. And uh, right at the beginning, we knew that, you know, my background, you know, growing up in Georgia, you'd flip a radio station and you'd hear bluegrass, and then you'd hear Southern Gospel, Gaithers, Crab Family, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then uh, then you'd hear CCM, you know, coming out of Atlanta, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> right. And so those kind of, in, within me, you know, that kind of mixture really resonated with me. And so you get a Christian country with some bluegrass and a, uh, some sprinkle of CCM album, basically. I mean, this album nice. is what the type of music that I really love. And uh, Foster did a great job of capturing that vision. And uh, yeah, during while I was unemployed, I pretty, I would, I think a week, a week and a half after I lost my job, that's when I had to make the decision where, whether we were going to move forward because I had to drive to Nashville and do final vocals on the record. Mm. And so that was a big point of uh, kind of decision-making for me, and we did it, and it turned out great, and I'm, I'm just really proud of the record as a whole. But, yeah, we're sending Only Jesus Can Do, uh, to radio and uh, already got word that people are playing it and so it just means a lot and uh, that, that song awesome. it's it's a fun one as well so um, I'm really excited about the whole thing Earlier you said you finished up without a Redeemer and what I heard from you there was um, you actually found your Redeemer after the fact because <laughs> sorry the way you said it we finished up we finished up uh, or we finished up without a redeemer oh. yeah, the way you said it it was like oh okay um so did you oh, find your redeemer I, I thought you were i thought you were making like a spiritual point like, no 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 yes no no i wasn't he's, going deep there he's he's over there he's like mm, hey just sorry. thank you Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that is so funny. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, no, nothing. I was just goofing off. Sorry. Um, you've released a couple of songs to radio now. You you released Without a Redeemer. Um, yeah. And you also um, more recently released Only Jesus Can Do. And is yeah. that is that the song you've uh, said that is getting some radio airplay? Yeah, it is. And uh, it's just a fun one. I mean, I was I was talking to a buddy of mine about the song, and it was like, you know, we as the church are called to be a lot of things to a lot of people. We need to be there for one another. And that's where I talk. That's in the song family on the record. That's where I talk about that. And, uh, but it's not unlikely that when you, you know, we have prayer time here at our church and it's like some things you want to pray and pray and pray. And that's important. And at a certain point, like we've talked about, you have to surrender and say, you know what, God, if anything's going to get done, it's just going to have to be you. If this is your will, sure. do it. I'm trusting in this because some things, it's true. Only Jesus can do. And so, right. I didn't mean to rhyme, you know. But anyway, but uh, <laughs> no, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> it, you know, it's true. You know, only. Yeah. 
But but yeah, I, I really love the song uh, "Bridge." Come to Jesus, find your rest. Come to Jesus. His promise is yes and amen. You know that kind of thing. Declaring that and accepting that, it's like, come to Jesus. He is the answer. That's what the song is yeah. saying at the end of the day. He, he's the answer. And so um, I, I'm really proud of it and and all the other tunes on the on the record. So it's exciting. Your role now as uh, as worship leader at Trinity Baptist Ministries in Georgia, in Augusta, yeah. uh, Georgia, what's that been like as far as, I mean, you've got the music career side of things going, mm-hmm. but you've also got your day job, and, and how's that been for you? It's been so good. Uh, this church here is such a, you know, a traveling. I've went to a lot of churches, and never once had Emily and I, you know, my wife, been like you know this is if we ever went full-time ministry this is where we would be and th- this church is really uh just a warm family they've welcomed us they supported us you know when we're away from family from our hometown they've been there for us and so the day-to-day just getting to be here and be a part of what god's doing you know at a local church is really important and it's even in the last uh, few months that i've been here it's already shaped my perspective on writing, who I'm writing for, and then um, just how I lead worship. It, and, and it's almost given me a lighter load on stage, meaning I'm not so uh, caught up in making sure everything is so put together because people come into church Good. and they're not, they're not put together. You know, they're right. looking, they're looking for something that they need some levity because the world is so heavy. It really is for a lot of people. And so when people walk into church, they're not looking for necessarily entertainment, but they're looking for a true encounter with God. And sometimes that is a laugh on stage. It's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And so sometimes people's experiences interacting with fellow believers and saying, gosh, you know, my weight's been crazy, but you know what? I'm going to come in this place and I'm going to worship. I'm going to thank God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to cry. This is what church is supposed to look like. Right. You know? And so um, I've kind of gotten away from so strict order of services, but, um, but more so keep it excellent, you know, because of who we're doing Mm -hmm. it for. But also keep that open mind and perspective. It's like, you know, it's okay. It's, you know, it's church. It's a family gathering. That's what it is. It's a a family coming together. And so um, it's really starting to shape who I am as a, as a leader, who I am as a writer and uh, who I uh, want to be as an artist when I take this song into churches. Um, And so I'm just excited about what God's doing, but yes, it, it really has shaped. It's already shaping me. Uh, and giving me different perspectives on on what I do and how I do it. That's awesome. Are your songs, well, the songs on your project, are they worship songs or are they other songs that you would perform, you know, at different venues? Yeah, I I think uh, most of them are uh, performative storytelling songs. That's where my writing tends to be. Unexplainable Mm -hmm. is the big worship uh, track on there and okay. uh, I knew 
in writing for the album, even before really I was writing for an album, just assembling the songs in my mind, I was like, wow, I'm a worship leader. I'm, I'm a literal traveling worship leader and I don't have a worship song for this album. So I really want something <laughs> like that on there. And uh, this is, I think this is before me and Emily got married. So this is 18 or maybe mid 19. I was in my apartment and I was, uh, I was really trying to write a worship song. I really was. I had the Bible open. I was really, I was really. <laughs> That's focused. Yeah, he's focused there. <laughs> I, I am ready to write the next Tomlin worship song. You know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then I was looking in Revelation and all the other occurrences where God is described as holy, holy, holy. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, rather than trying, what if I just sang holy? And so I had had this melody um, in my head. And so that's kind of where it started. It turned into the bridge of unexplainable. But basically the, the song there talks about um, he's faithful, he's just, he's there for me. When, when I run away from him like the prodigal child, he's welcomed me back with a robe. He's been there mm. for me. But above all things, he's holy, and that's almost me saying, you know what, gosh, God, you're unexplainable. There's there's yeah. a thousand, there's infinite ways to define the greatness and the glory and who you are. Um, and so in the verses, it kind of talks about in my own life, you know, in our lives uh, as believers, how we experience God and what God means to us. But at the end of the day, he's holy. And in that holiness, mm -hmm. we, we kind of fall into just trust and surrender because we know who he is, you know, at the end of the day. So that's what that song turned into. So, yeah, that, that's a big worship song, and, and I'm, I'm excited. We're singing it here at our local church, and so um, nice. it's a really uh, powerful track. Not because of anything I did, but all, all because of the Lord. So uh, I'm proud of that one. Um, Daniel, uh, I guess the only thing I can add to everything that you've said, especially when you go back and talk about leading worship in church, I just love the church services where there's, sorry, there's no time for the message. Mm. You know? Right. And, and right. sometimes I don't think we have enough of those services because you talk about, it's you know, true. following the order of service and this is the agenda. This is, the, you know, everything right. assembled. This is you got 20 minutes on stage for the worship because then we got to do announcements and whatever else is on the go here. And then we got a, a lot enough time for the message. And yep. you, you can't go over because, I mean, your boss is going to be the, the senior pastor or the lead pastor. Right. And so you got to mm -hmm. be careful. Um, but yet I just love the services where it's like uh sorry pastor um you're not gonna have time to preach and it's a, it's yeah. even better it's even better when he realizes that i guess i'm not right. preaching right right yeah so yeah I, yeah i think it's interesting you know um growing up uh church of god kind of pentecostal uh kind of thing um that happened a lot uh in in my hometown church and so the church i'm at mm. now is like a baptist uh, church, which I, I grew up Baptist as well for 10 years. So, um, mm. and I'm a Baptist again. And it's funny. Um, how, You're Bapticostal. Uh, I'm ba that's Yes, yes, I am. That's a new hashtag. So, hashtag Bapticostal. Yeah. That's going to be actually the name of my next record. So <laughs> there you go. That's what we're here for. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's amazing how people can make plans but God's going to do what he wants to do. And so that, that's all that also gives me peace. It's like, you can plan. That's God's like, that's cute. 
go ahead and make a plan. That's cool. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll blow it up real quick, but it's fine. It's not yeah. a big deal, you know. <laughs> so, on, on the flip so, side, if the pastor didn't have time to put together a message because he was busy all week, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a win-win. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Hey, listen, Daniel, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Um, really enjoyed hearing about your journey and, and yes. seeing all the things that's happened in your life. It's been pretty exciting. Thank thanks you guys so much for having Daniel. me. It means a lot. Well, thank yeah, you, no Daniel. Problem. Appreciate it, and uh, take care. Man, what a great conversation with Daniel. He's mm-hmm. such a uh, kind guy and really transparent. Um, have an appreciation for that every time. Um, if you'd like to find out more about Mr. Daniel, why don't you check out his website? It is Daniel Mulkey, that's spelled M-U-L-K-E-Y, DanielMulkey.com. Time for some artist advice, and today we go to Lori and Stacy from Merge PR. I would say my one piece of advice is remember your audience and that you why you got into doing this, and to remember that the people that you're trying to reach and the people that you work with. It's all about relationships and it's all about caring for those people. No matter how big your song is, how many albums you sell, those are the people that are listening to you. Those are the people that are supporting you. Those are the people that are working hard for you and to continue to cheerlead them as well and be appreciative of them because that goes so long for anybody that is working for you And it also, the fans know when you are genuine. The fans know when you take time to interact with them on social media or at a signing line or randomly meeting them at Target. They they can feel that out when it's genuine. And to just always keep that in check, like keep that gut check. Like, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? And who is supporting me? Mine, to add to that, is to be you. You know, we, I feel like there are some artists who want to be something else because they see success or they see, you know, a song do really great or an artist do really great. I, I, not everybody is going to be that. It's, and that's not even why we do what we do. You know, it's it's the mission behind the music. So to me, we thrive the most behind artists who are themselves and embrace who they are and go with that because I feel like people see the genuine versus the non-genuine. And we as a PR team want to publicize the genuine. And even if it's, if it's going to go to a smaller audience and it's, you know, a, a more scaled down type of genre, whatever it may be or sound, it's just being you. I, I don't want to, I don't like the manufactured because this is what's hot right now. It's being themselves. Yeah, it's so good what, what Lori was saying just about remembering the importance of authenticity, you know, and and being genuine because at the end of the day, people, they want to feel connected to you. And when you are genuine and authentic, they, they know it. And if you're not, they know it as well. So. Yeah. I think it's interesting that these comments came from Lori and Stacy from Merge PR. And these, these are PR experts. These are marketing Mm -hmm. experts. They know what works and what doesn't work from the business perspective. 
in artists and the fact that they're saying be genuine you know remember who your audience is uh, mm-hmm. you know what's the mission behind your music all of that stuff is what really really matters despite all yep. the things that you think might matter or what you would like to you know perhaps do to further your career these guys or these gals know what really matters as far as growing your audience and growing your business and growing your mm-hmm. career that's true. Thank you to Stacy and Lori for uh, giving us your advice for all of our listeners. And thank you to Daniel for hanging with us as well. I uh, really enjoyed uh, today's conversation on Between the Grooves. And if you'd like to give your two cents worth and your feedback, get some comments, leave us a comment wherever you get your podcasts or on Twitter at Between Grooves or on Facebook at Between Grooves. Thanks for listening to Fate Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves or email us anytime. Hello at faithstrongtoday.com.